Hi, this is Steve Roost, and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. Each week, we give you the best news, views, and interviews from the health technology world. From CEOs and founders to entrepreneurs and clinicians, the companies and people that are shaping the future face of healthcare. All on the world's number one talk health radio. Hello and welcome to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. My name is Steve Roost and each week we bring you the best news, views and interviews with the CEOs, founders and leaders who are leading the health tech revolution in the UK and beyond. I'm a CEO and founder of a health tech company myself and I am passionate about the people and companies who are changing the world. Before we start the show and introduce today's phenomenal guest, I have to get through a bit of business, a bit of admin. Um, firstly, the UK Health Radio Awards are open, open now, and every presenter has nominated their health heroes from the last 12 months, whether that's a brand, a company or a person. So please, please go to the UK Health Radio website, which is UKHealthRadio.com. Click on the awards banner and vote for your favorite. The winners will be announced in August. So you've only got a few weeks left before we close the voting. So please go there. Secondly, make sure you follow the show and the station on all of the socials to stay on top of all of the great content and great guests that are coming up. It's at Health Tech Hour and at UK Health Radio. Finally, I want to give a little shout out to the guys at Health Tech World, which is htworld.co.uk. They're my go-to source for information, and they've been a huge supporter of the show from the very first beginning. So thank you very much, Health Tech World. That's htworld.co.uk. So that's all the admin taken care of, and now we can get on with the show. Today, we return to the subject of mental health, but from a completely new angle, one that we've not touched on before, with Dr. Talia Cohen-Solal, CEO and co-founder of Genetica Plus. Talia has spent her career dedicated to the field of neuroscience and personalized medicine. She got her undergraduate degree at Oxford, her PhD at University College London, and uh, her postdoctoral at and did postdoctoral work at Columbia University in New York, which is three of the best academic institutions in the world. During this period of time, she spent a significant amount of effort researching how the personalization of medicine could be applied to mental health. And that is where the idea came for Genetica Plus. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Talia has won, I guess, like every award possible at this point <laughs> in the early stage health tech world. Um, it's, it's kind of amazing. I won't list them all out here, but just there aren't many left for her to win. And the reason that that is that she's won everything is because Genetica Plus are, are really, truly on the very cutting edge of mental health diagnosis and treatment. So something like 300 million people in the world have depression uh, and Genetica Plus is developing a way to target therapies based on the specific condition that an individual has. So much like cancer, where 70% of drugs are what they call precision medicine or precision prescriptions, which we can get into through the show. That's what we're trying to do with or that's what Genetica Plus is trying to do with mental health. So Talia, welcome to Health Tech Hour. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Nice to be Good. here. Good. Excellent. So I ask everyone on the show, I know it's been a kind of crazy, bizarre 18 months. How has it been for you and the team at Genetica Plus? Um, 
It's been a it's been an interesting 18 months. First of all, obviously, the mission of Genetica Plus has gotten even more urgent um, as a result of COVID-19. So I think that's been a motivator to our, our cause and to the team. Um, we we were in Israel, so we are in Israel. So we've had a um, some pretty extreme shutdowns, but we managed to keep our labs and uh, running for a couple of for the entire year and a half, nearly, except for a a two-week shutdown. So we're pleased that we could, you know, keep pushing on our mission forward, especially as the climate becomes more and more urgent for this type of technology. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, we're in a been in a great kind of world-leading country for COVID nineteen vaccination. So we've we've been back to normal for the last six yeah. months or so, at least. Yeah. So we just I, I had to everyone, survive a year. <laughs> everyone's been looking on at Israel as far as the vaccinations go, with with quite a lot of. Um, What's the word? Envy, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I think what we want to do in the show, I definitely want to pick up um, on, on your comment there around how your services are ever more in demand as a result of, of, of COVID. Um, but first of all, just to, I know that regular listeners will know this, but the show's in three parts. One is in, the first is an origins part, how you came to be doing all of the incredible stuff that you're now doing. The middle part is all of the amazing stuff that you're now doing to change the world. And then the final piece is really what is the next, what are the, what's the future look like for Genetica Plus and then any other topics of the day that we can kind of get to if we, if we have enough time. So um, just to start, how, uh, at what point did you know that you wanted to focus on the area of neuroscience broadly? Hmm. Um, so I uh, was lucky enough to have the opportunity to take a gap year. Uh, after university and after high school sorry and I went to the National Institutes of Health uh, for three months in the United States um, and did a summer internship program and there I was able to you know work in a research lab I happened to be put on a project in schizophrenia um, and I, I already thought that the brain was the most interesting organ so I kind of pushed towards a brain a brain team um, but it was really in that uh, internship that I saw how um, emotionally fulfilling it was, fast, motivating and fascinating to be able to carry out your career in the field and research of neuroscience. Okay. Um, and yeah, I do think it's the best organ. Okay. It's not competitive. Other <laughs> organs are available. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, 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 not for you, I guess. But what, why was it that you found the, the brain like more interesting than other organs? Or what was it that particularly that you found motivating or uplifting, as you just said, from, from that particular experience that you had? Um, so when I first started to study biology and physiology and biochemistry and the whole process of the human body, um, I think that there's, there's just a, lots of amazing, incredible things that take place in the, the human body. The, the way that we're designed is so immensely perfect and the use of everything is being, every single um, kind of protein or chemical is being reused here, there and everywhere at different processes and points in the body cycle. So it's totally uh, a magnificent entire um, uh, entire body, entire creature. Um, but the brain is the most fascinating to me. I mean, how can the same combination of, there's uh, not the same, a number of combination of cells, individual units, they can make up a liver and that's a very functional, interesting organ, or they can make up a brain, which is the, the source of thought, the source yeah. of mood, the source of creation of thought and speech, etc., interpretation. And it's just incredible um, that we have the opportunity to study this and understand how this comes into being, how this can even exist. 
I, I yeah I mean you've got me got me interested <laughs> definitely so like what I'm kind of interested in I, I've not never never studied neuroscience but um you know when you start studying neuroscience is, is it is it a bit kind of is it quite daunting because it's obviously pretty complex or like you know what or did you already kind of have some knowledge of it like you said from doing you know biology and physiology at a level and things like that I don't know what what was the kind yeah. of yeah because it's kind of the brain is amazing and is really complicated. Yeah, so I think that you, uh, the educational system that I was lucky enough to experience, uh, took it step by step. So you start with the GCSE, and you know there's a brain, and maybe there's a cortex, and okay. it's about as basic as that. And then you go into A level, and you get to go into the different regions within the brain, into the different uh, the development of the brain, etc. So that's like big picture, and then you go into your degree and my first year of the degree was very broad and we you know had a neuroscience course and then I got to specialize in the last two years uh with tailored like with specific I was at Oxford so we had to do this wonderful we got these wonderful tutorial system and we just chose one specific pathway at a time or one specific brain region or one specific disease and so basically you take the big picture and then you just keep zooming and zooming in then I did a PhD and like I went into one specific disease but I actually went into one genetic form of that one specific disease oh, wow. okay. um, and then I'm and then I was looking at one specific organelle in that specific genetic form of that specific disease the mitochondria okay. so you just get more and more and more focused and more right. minute to because that's how you provide new knowledge to right. if you have to really get into the into the weeds and when you when you move from undergrad into PhD and then further through your kind of academic career I guess what were the big questions around the, the the field that people were really struggling to answer or like the big ones the, the big ones that pe- lots of people were working on and lots of funding was going into and what were those at the time um so I, all the way back in my undergraduate there was a a wonderful war on whether um the co- what the cause of memory was or how memory was stored in the brain okay and there are these you can have uh, every, memories are stormed, stored in neurons through the connections between neurons, and those are at the thing called the synapse. The synapse okay. connects the, the neuron, and there's the synapse from one neuron to the next. So there's the one that gives out the signal and the one that receives the signal. Yeah. And so they were battling over if it was pre or post, if it was more, if that memory was, was stored was in the, the beginning or the end. And to me, it was always so obvious that it could never be pre or post it must be both I mean no, nothing right. contributes nothing lives in isolation right. um, and so that kind of simmered down okay. um, and they acknowledged it was both so that was a small a, a minute level and you know something that led into where I am today um one of the biggest things so I spent a lot of time in in psychotic disorders in mental health and I'm sure we'll ask how I ended up in mental health yeah um but there was a big um there were lots of ca- candidate drugs that were being taken into phase three clinical trials and they had great mechanistic reasons why they should work. They had great preclinical data. Um, and then, you know, they were going through phase one, they were safe and then they were failing in the phase three clinical trials. And that really, really um, affected the field. It depressed okay. the field. That's okay. not, so no, pun, just, pun intended. Just and, okay. <laughs> and so that. And the, the why question was was out there then. And that's, okay. we'll zoom in later, but that brings us yeah. on to precision medicine. Okay. So when, when you say phase three clinical trials, that's what a lot of listeners might know is like human trials, right? When it goes hu- human. So there are different levels of human trials. So there's first where you just find out whether the drug is safe altogether. 
Okay. Um, so that the so that and that's the phase one, just to make sure that there are going to be no um, terrible effects of those medications. Mm-hmm. And then only when you get to phase three do you really see does it work for patients, okay. and that's really the kind of okay. Um, so so of the drug. what one of the kind of formative experiences was for you was that there were these kind of quasi potential blockbuster drugs with billions of dollars investment today i mean up to a billion yeah up to a billion dollars invested and then they basically got all the way through but failed at the final hurdle because they just didn't work correct wow okay and so um we can definitely come on to that later but what what you 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 mentioned that your move from i guess research into or specific you know areas very very specific of a specific into more broadly mental health what was that journey like for you and how how did that happen um, so first of all, I'd, as soon as I started my PhD, I um, committed my my research, my career to mental health. Uh, I okay. think mental health as within the field of neuroscience to me is the most fascinating because it helps you also understand what's going on in illness and also understand how the brain works in itself because it's so fascinating what creates mood, what affects mood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into mental health as a, as a research tool, as a PhD and then a postdoc. And then I made that pivot which I think is uh, what you're asking was I made the pivot from getting further and further into the minutiae to kind of taking a step back and saying come on let's let's see what we have and take it to people let's not wait any longer basically and that's how I felt it at um I went during my postdoc at Columbia um and I I just felt like at least for me I wanted to be giving back to individuals to people today I think that academia is great at providing the tools for tomorrow. So, you know, what, the, what, what my colleagues who are still in academia are doing is creating the new knowledge that will allow yeah. the next advent to come in in 15 years time, 10, 15 years time. But I was ready to be pushing forward what was available today to bring it into patients' hands. Okay. And was there a specific, actually, before I ask this question, I know it's gonna, this might seem really basic, but the term mental health is used like everywhere now in, in lots of different ways how as, as a kind of expert in the field what does it mean for you and how, how do you define it um so i believe that um there's this big spectrum of of behavior of of brain health um and what somebody's somebody's low mood or somebody's high mood could be quite tolerable and quite acceptable and uh, not not be a mental health issue Mm-hmm. It's just the state of their mental health because mental health can describe a positive state as well as a negative state. Right. So when we talk about you know mental health issues, when we talk about the negative side of mental health, it's when you get past the the tolerable range. Okay. You're 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 too depressed to be able to take place in your you do act, be active in your workplace okay. or active in your family or get out of bed. That you're obviously suffering from mental health issues at that stage because it's gone past what's tolerable to or to yeah. a, a healthy life um and the same in 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 bipolar and or manic uh, yeah. mania is you know some people's uh, proximity to mania is their creativity is their artistic content is their drive and motivation you know adhd is very much somewhere where you can see you get you know at some point it's fantastic and then you go too far and you can't you know yeah. complete the tasks yeah um so i think that it's really in in my heart it's very important to emphasize that it's all a spectrum and at some point it stops being whatever normal is. Mm. Um, but, you know, we're, 
it doesn't mean it's I guess that takes it away from being you're you're ill and you're not ill you know yeah we're we're all kind of right, in exactly. our continuum and also it's it's dynamic right as in the sense that you can be within that range for a certain period of time and then maybe without cause or with cause you can move outside of that range and then you know exactly. certain things can move you back into that range so it's certainly not like you know you have an infection the infection goes away you know it's not the same is it yes fortunately and unfortunately yeah well yeah you're right um so when you um was there like an epiphany moment that you had so we've obviously had a lot of founders on the show and sometimes people have an epiphany moment where they're like oh my goodness I have to do this because, and sometimes it's a personal experience, either directly or, or, or indirectly. And other people, it's more just a kind of a continuum of, of what they're doing. And what was it for you that, that you suddenly, you knew or you decided that actually, like you said, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to actually, you know, put this together as my own company? Uh, it was, a, in terms of starting a company, that was probably more specific. But <laughs> in terms of gradually moving you know, out of academia into industry to try and bring um, technologies out there. Um, I did my PhD. I already realized that for me, I was too far away from bedside. Um, I went to do a postdoc at Columbia where I um, specifically focused on translational technologies. So technologies that were much more closer to humans, which were when we talk about the the details of Genetica Plus, I'll expand on that more. Um, and so it was during that postdoc that I, I felt like I wanted to be in the in the industry space. And when I kind of felt I'd come up with an idea that could actually make a difference, uh, that was when I had that epiphany that I was going to go try and start a company um, in the mental health space. I had definitely, you know, been influenced, as so many of us have, um, by stories of mental health around us um, and those you know, people close to me. Um, so that definitely influenced my journey into mental health. But starting the company came from the idea. Okay, cool. Well, we'll come back to that idea in a second. We just have to take a short break um, to have some commercials, and then we will be right back. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. How good are vitamin C supplements? Usually only a small proportion of vitamin C actually reaches your cells and has a positive effect. Whereas the high absorption levels of Goldman Laboratories liposomal vitamin C help maintain optimal vitamin C levels in your body and strengthen your immune system. Now get 10% off when you choose Goldman Laboratories liposomal vitamin C capsules. Just quote 10 off at goldmanlaboratories.com. Do you suffer from pain? B-Cure Laser, a home-use CE-approved medical device for the effective treatment of pain, is now available in the UK. The results of a double-blind trial has shown that B-Cure Laser offers a significant reduction in pain compared to the placebo group. To get your special B-Cure offer now, call free on 0808 501 5122 or Google Radio Pro London. B-Cure Laser. Hi, Talia. Okay, great. Hello, everyone. We're back with Dr. Talia Cohen-Solal from Genetica Plus. And we are about to talk about all of the great stuff, the world-changing stuff that Genetica Plus is doing in the field, having done the kind of origins part of the show. So, Talia, how would you describe Genetica Plus's mission and and then what you're doing about it? Um, Genetica Plus is bringing precision medicine to the mental health space. 
uh, with our first focus in depression. Okay. And what, how would you define precision medicine just for the listeners out there? Because again, it's one of those terms that gets thrown around quite a bit, but what <laughs> does it really mean? So I know it's, it, it's a, it's a big deal in cancer, for example, but please, if you could give us your expert definition. Um, so precision medicine can mean um, a variety of different things, but basically it's the transition from treating patients as a one size fits all type of category. So everybody has the exact same disease to say everybody has a different variant of that disease. They have a biomarker which can represent that um, and that we're going to treat those individuals for their form of the disease. Um, you can do that by making precision medicine drugs. So drugs that actually target specific uh, pathways that are affected, for example, in cancer um, or subtypes of mental illness, for example. Um, at Genetica Plus, we use precision medicine to match each patient to the right antidepressant for them uh, and all the impact, strong impacts that that will have on the patient's lives. Okay, so let's just go into this because I the, the, look, <laughs> talking to people like you is one of the reasons why I did the show in the first place because I, I personally love talking about this. So I hope people enjoy listening to it because this is genuinely genuinely like world-changing groundbreaking cutting edge stuff so how um you know conceptually doing what doing what people are already doing or that the field is already doing in cancer but in mental health makes a lot of sense but why is it so critical to do it in mental health right um so in in mental health and depression specifically there are over 70 different medications and combinations that are available for the physician to choose between when deciding to treat a new patient. Wow, 70, so, over 70. Seven, exactly. Wow. Uh, and so that's, that means that is each drug takes about four to six weeks to test. The patient could spend months to years of their lives searching for the best drug or for a, a drug that works well enough. Right. Um, they're, they're broken down to around five different categories, 12 different subcategories. Some of them are additives into, you know, the, a more regular, uh, typical route. But yeah, it's, there's a lot of different options there. And we don't really even have a rule set for how to, which order to try them. Right. I was to gonna, describe. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, where do clinicians, how do they, how do they interact with a list of 70 options? Exactly. So they typically start with an SSRI because an SSRI has a lower side effect profile. So it's easier to tolerate. Okay. It's not necessarily the most effective, um, but overall it works best. Um, and then they can move through, then it's, then it's the wild west really. really? And there are, there are some, they're generally choosing the drug based on side effect profiles and they're not really choosing the drug based on how it's going to impact the patient's depression itself. Okay. I mean, they're obviously all meant to impact depression, but they could right. all do it with variable strength. Okay. And what, what, what does SSRI stand for? Sorry. Uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Okay. So, so at, go on. at the end of the day, um, depression can be generalized to say that there's a reduced signaling in the brain, a reduced motivation, a reduced activation of pathways that, that um, stimulate reward and joy and happiness, happiness, okay. uh, whatever that is. And, um, and so serotonin is one of these um, neurotransmitters that, that activates that pathway that, that enables that feeling. Um, and so these selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors allow more serotonin to be present in the brain. And the other antidepressants, most of, by and large, also work through the same pathways, just using different mechanisms. Okay. And um, so person who's displaying mental health issues or has depression or displaying symptoms of depression they go, they currently go to their 
GP, clinician, psychiatrist, any of the above? Kind of any uh, any of the above. GP is in the United States. GPs or primary care physicians see about sixty uh, prescribe about sixty percent of the medication. Then we have then we have psychiatrists. We also have OBGYNs for postpartum depression. Okay. We have um, pediatricians because young adults are suffering oh. dreadfully from depression. Uh, it's the second biggest uh, killer in young adults uh, wow. in the United so, States so and also in the world. Depression, suicide as a result yeah, exactly yeah. Right. um and uh also uh geriatrics as well and then right. you know it's nobody if you've got cancer you you'd also be quite happy to be prescribed some antidepressants so yeah so there's, there's a lot of different physicians who are yeah. playing this game yeah and the psychiatrists are trained although the tools are, are inadequate unfortunately in the 20 in 2021 um but the rest of them don't even have the sufficient training to really help patients as well as we would like right so like again i'm not an oncology expert i'm not a cancer expert but if you need chemo for example Mm -hmm. presumably that chemo can only be prescribed to you by an oncologist is that correct i don't know if that's right or not i mean theoretically i (laughs) I think so yes okay and you're not an oncologist either so apologies (laughs) out there if we've got that wrong but but what you're saying in comparison in mental health is that there are so many different touch points of of of, um people within the care system that can prescribe antidepressants but understanding about mental health is not their core training or background a hundred percent okay and is that part of the problem that that you guys are trying to address in, in, in what you're doing or kind of is all mixed in together in, in this sort of, I guess, morass of, of, of inefficiency or whatever. It's definitely, it's definitely part of the problem. So what we would, uh, uh, we, our primary kind of targets are the primary care physicians and the psychiatrists to begin with. Okay. Um, the psychiatrists to just help those patients, especially the ones who've been on a long journey, we really want them to get as fast as possible to the right drug for them. Hmm. And primary care physicians, because, they feel inept. They feel in, in, inept and uh, untrained in this, and they really want to be helping their patients. The yeah. wait list for the psychiatrists are too long. The patients yeah. are stuck with them, and you know if they have a test that could you know to help them to make the right choices for their patients, they would be more grateful than the psychiatrists who at least have the training to equip them to do that. Yeah, because is it that is it is it a, again? I don't know, but I, I could imagine a case where a primary care physician would definitely follow the path of least side effects, you know, a, a side effect led approach, because that's the least risky in, in a sense, um, if they don't have any training otherwise. Um, they, they all unfortunately do a side effect led approach because we have no other reasonable data exist. to go by okay. until Genetica Plus comes. Well, along. exactly. So let's, <laughs> talk about this. so let's talk about this. So again this show is a blend of, of the technology but we, we 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 love talking about all the technology in detail but we're also trying to make it as relevant as possible to everyone listening so if you can i know that you are on the absolute bleeding edge but is it possible for you to explain a bit about how your technology works and why it's so groundbreaking for sure um so at genetica plus we take a simple blood test and um, the blood test um takes both the general genetic background of the patient there's a questionnaire that accompanies it to help understand the patient's likely side effect tolerance and preferences Um, and the most crucial and and unique element of our platform is our brain in a dish screening platform so what we do is we take that same blood sample and we take those cells and we convert them into neurons 
that are replicate the neurons from each patient. So in oncology, you can take a biopsy and you can look at the pathways. And that's why precision medicine and oncology has been so successful. Mm. And now because at Genetic Plus and in the, in the industry, as, uh, not in academia as a whole, we've developed this new technology where you can take any type of skin cell or any type of cell with a nucleated cell from a human and turn it into a stem cell and then into a neuron. Wow. Um, or any cell type. So this is called stem cell technology or human-induced pluripotent stem cells. Um, this is uh, a new technology, which is what I was working on during my postdoctoral research and independent fellowship at Columbia. Mm. Um, and I saw the power and potential of a platform that's generally being used in drug development or academia to bring it into precision medicine. Okay. And so what, what we do at Genetica Plus, we take those blood samples, make your brain in a dish, and then we expose your brain in a dish to all the different antidepressants and see which antidepressant has the strongest outcome for your neurons. So this is the first time that we've been able to say, to look at how your neurons, your brain is going to respond to the antidepressant instead of focusing only on those side effects. Yeah, so this is why I love this show because you've effectively got a technology that allows you to grow little brains for want of a better word or, or certain brain cells in a way that no one's ever done before and use them to kind of run panels of drugs in order to find one, which, which one reacts best to make it easier for people to get treated better. Um, one question I have is when you said about outcomes, like you measure the outcome, um, what, how, so, you know, you've got the neuron cells and you've got your samples of all the drugs. What reaction are you kind of looking for to determine whether one is better than another? What, what is that specific reaction or, or however you describe it? So at the end of the day, I mentioned just a few, a few minutes ago, the idea that at the end of the day, these antidepressants work by increasing the communication between the neurons in the brain. Okay. I mentioned the word synapse. Um, And those are these, those are the, those are the location where that communication is taking place. Okay. So the end point is this increased communication. Uh, What we're looking at in our brains in the dish is this communication, is this increase in communication and which drug causes the strongest increase um, to, to that so, patient. So it's like an increase of activity. Is that, is, is that, yes, is that an a, increase uh, in the successful com- activity communication between um, neurons. So that kind of ability to have that positive signaling in okay. the brain. And so like going back to when you were still in academia, but potentially thinking about there was this broader kind of, maybe there was a broader application of what you were doing. That's still quite a long way away from where you are right now. I mean, that's like, so at what point did you, did you, cause you could have, I guess there was an option for you to have continued in academia, but doing something related to this field, but more in academia. So why choose to go and do a company with it? So I think I mentioned that I felt in academia that the, the knowledge that I was, helping generate uh, wasn't being translated rapidly enough into patient lives. So okay. actually, I, um, I had this great idea that we could translate the latest advents in technology into this precision medicine tool. I had that. That seemed like okay. smart. But how on earth do I start a startup? That seems right. bonkers. Um, and so instead of uh, immediately starting a startup, I joined a precision medicine startup in the rare genetic disease space okay and um, they weren't using this this type of model uh, they were using a different approach uh, focusing on child onset epilepsies um, caused by rare genetic diseases I'd actually spent my entire academic career looking at rare genetic diseases in the okay. mental health space so okay. that's how I got into the 
okay. into the, that space. And um, yeah, and I joined a, a early stage startup. I was the second employee, the cool. third person to join the team out in Minneapolis. Um, and we were immediately bringing change to patients' lives uh, with the technology that, that we were working at with on that at that company uh, at the time called Paranomics and it was an amazing experience and I was really on the front line I was you know trying speaking to families trying to explain how our technology worked to them and I really understood how to translate uh, a basic research tool uh, into uh, into a product that we could bring to the market Um, it was very small scale because it was also the very beginning of that early stage startup um, and that's where we are at Genetica Plus as well. We're still at the small scale. Yeah. Um, and now we're in the last segment. We'll talk about our growth. Yeah, yeah, we can um, talk about well, You know, it's not it's not strict. But let's take it back to something you said at the top of the show, which was about how your technology is, um, you know, it, it, there's an ever greater need for solutions like Genetica Plus um, as a result of the pandemic and things like that. Could you elaborate a little bit about what you mean there? Right. Yeah. So. Um, I'll just throw out some statistics to, to support this. So, uh, <laughs> according to the CDC in the United States, um, there's been a threefold rise in depression as a result of COVID-19. Um, in terms of a survey on, on young adults, um, I think 16 to 24, there is 25% of them have seriously considered suicide. Mm-hmm. In the last, as of August 2020, it was 10% just over a year before. Mm. Um, so it's, and the, the hotline numbers and the telemedicine numbers are up thousands of percent. I mean, it's, it's been awful. Um, and while the pandemic may, may or may not be receding, the, the pandemic of mental health that will, have, that will remain afterwards is certainly not going to go away rapidly. And will, it will be a whole generation that this is going to be contribute to a long-term higher level of, of yeah. mental health issues mm-hmm. um and so yeah unfortunately it's it's unfortunately we're not on the market yet that's something that's been very frustrating to us in the last uh, year because we would uh love to to be able to be helping people today um but it's definitely sped up our journey and also provided us new routes to get into into the market so yeah. you know genetica plus is now thinking about using the telemedicine, which has risen 3,000% yeah. during COVID-19, 50% of which is from mental health. Mm-hmm. It just lends itself well, because typically it's not very uh, physical examination based. So yeah. you can you can use telemedicine a lot. Um, and so we, we're trying to um, build partnerships with telemedicine providers, which will allow us to get to those populations who are beyond a rep who have found it so difficult to even get access to treatment in the first place yeah uh, which is one of the problems in the mental health space um and so yeah it's been a, had a massive impact on our on our mission and yeah. driving the speed and direction i think that makes sense and so what kind of um you know what kind of feedback have you been getting from you know any of those user groups that you've been you know the primary care physicians the psychiatrists the telehealth people you know it, on, on the face of it i mean this sounds you know phenomenal and a kind of a you know subject to how it would get integrated into those pathways or replace Mm -hmm. those existing care pathways sounds like a bit of a no-brainer you know subject to to, to various things but so I'm interested to hear what what you've sort of heard on the ground so to speak about about what you're doing generally exceptionally positive I feel like uh that Genetica Plus is entering at a very good time um 
I'm branding about the word precision medicine left, right and center. Thankfully, I'm not the only person, maybe not all the listeners know it, know it but probably started to hear about it. Um, I think 10 years ago, to try and change psychiatrist behavior or primary care physician behavior towards a precision medicine model would be totally lost. Okay. Um, and now that they've seen such successes in the cancer space, and there are so many successful companies that are becoming already being adopted by healthcare systems, being paid for by the NHS, etc., um, it makes it much easier to bring new technologies into other disease areas. Okay. Um, so that's that's great. And then the psychiatrists and the prime the primary care physicians are the most excited actually yeah. um, of all the all the different care groups we've spoken to um, because I think they feel the most pain uh, the biggest pain the most frustration um, in the in the current treatment yeah. um, options yeah um, and then the psychiatrists generally speaking the psychiatrist is a different um, we've had different experiences which is that they understand that the primary care physicians generally aren't familiar with the technology but okay. some of the psychiatrists are familiar with the technology because some lots of the research is coming from this this um, brain in a dish space because it's the first time we've had access to the brain okay um, and as I said there's research going on in that space um, so they they're really excited that this you know the, something from research that they've been reading about can actually start to change their practice so they all can't wait. Good. Well, and, and how does what you do or how do you envisage what you do, which I, I guess is quite geared on the um, the, the pharma, pharmacological end of things, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, re- relative to the actual drugs that may or may not be prescribed. How does that fit with the, you know, the, the non-pharmacological um, treatment of mental health, depression and so on? How, what's your vision there? I 100% believe that um, therapy... CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, or just whichever therapy regimen that your preferences you, you prefer, I think it should always be given alongside pharmacological treatment. Okay. So we would like that you know, telemedicine platform to be offering that therapy as well alongside. Um, you know, it's great to get the medicine to, to help you overcome the, the more acute phase of that depression, of that, of that difficulty. Um, but then you really need some of that therapy to help kind of rewire in the right direction to help train your train you the resilience that you need to be able to prevent future episodes okay good we will be back after another short break and we will continue on with our chat uk health radio the station that makes you feel good Scalar light is the quantum energy emitted from the universe, from the sun and stars. Now, Tom Palladino, a humanitarian and scalar light researcher, has created the world's only scalar light healing system, a system that can bring long-distance healing and wellness to humans, pets, and plants via a photograph. Get your free 15-day trial now at scalarlight.com or click on the Scalar Light banner on the UK Health Radio website. Shields like masks are top of mind right now. But did you know you have inner armor working constantly to protect you from pathogens? It keeps you healthy and thriving. It's your immune system. Ion Gut triggers the body's natural ability to support gut strength all year long, so your immune system can protect you when you need it the most. How are you treating your inner armor? Visit uk.ionbiome.com to learn more. Ion Gut. Protect what protects you. 
the station that makes you feel good. Hi, welcome back um, to Health you Power have- with Dr. Talia Cohen-Solal from Genetica Plus. So before the break, we were just carrying, talking about some of the things that, that the way Genetica Plus can work alongside, you know, non-pharmacological treatments. There's a couple of points that came up in our pre-show planning that I want to make sure that we cover off, Talia. So the one was um, around, I think you mentioned to me um, in that planning meeting that something like two-thirds of drugs prescribed in the first instance in it for, for depression end up not not working. Is that right? Sixty three percent correct. Wow, two two thirds. So yeah, slightly under. Okay, give, give, <laughs> me, the three, give me the three percent. Um, so um, what is so does that does that really mean that that when like two thirds of people when they go and they have a first um, prescription, it it doesn't work basically. So they kind of have to go back and get a new. Drug. I, Either it doesn't work, it works partially, so it's not good enough to allow them to return to uh, normal quality of life, or they can't tolerate the side effects. Right, and actually, so they can't stay on the drug or a stigma. Uh, a multi- I mean, you know, maybe they want to pretend they're not on. The- you know, there's a bunch okay. of different factors around that, but yeah. Okay, so that 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 means in theory, we'll, we'll, you know, Genetica Plus has a a huge uh, there's a huge problem that you guys are trying to solve or could solve, right? Which is that that you know kind of two thirds slightly under two thirds mm-hmm. of people that get the wrong prescription to begin with or the suboptimal mm-hmm. prescription to begin with in theory could get the right prescription absolutely okay that's a big difference yeah that, i mean that must be huge i mean that, that that must be millions and millions of people every you know exactly so um in the, in the united states alone there's 20 million people suffering from depression about 10 million get access to that treatment that, okay. you know, they start on a pharmacological treatment. So we see about 6 million people in the United States alone. Um, and obviously it's 300 million people globally. Um, yeah. So uh, but it's, 18 million. But also from the, the, the perspective of a healthcare organization, I'm thinking like the repeat, the, 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 at the moment, the, the repeat visits, the, the repeat um, consultations to, to get your meds changed. Oh, that one didn't work. Okay, try this one, come back in a month. You know, that's, that's a huge amount of cost in the system. It's much more than that. So first of all, um, the it's much. It, there's also hospitalizations. Okay. Uh, you know, if there is suicide attempts um, sure. or other, there's also comorbidities. So uh, I'm gonna. I know it's a British program, but I'm, yeah. Go I'm gonna it. keep throwing American facts. Yeah, at you, please. Sorry. Um, the, in the United States, the direct costs for a patient who's uh, not well managed for depression, not well treated, um, are around seven thousand dollars per patient per year more than those who are well-treated. So wow. those are all those extra costs, repeat visits, hospitalizations, comorbidities, uh, other other issues. It's, it becomes a, a much bigger problem. And then obviously when you have a much bigger problem, it's much harder to get out of that. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, so there's a major cost savings there for the, and the, the government for indirect costs, it's a, a trillion dollar global burden of depression. Wow. Employers lose hundreds of uh, yeah. b- millions of work days a year to depression, let alone the, the reduced um, performance during, when you are at work. Yeah. Um, and physicians have waiting lists uh, that, uh, that they can't even fill. So outside yeah. just the patients and their families and their care, care group, um, it, there's are many, many people who are being, and many stakeholders being severely impacted by depression. Yeah, we had Nick Taylor on, who's the CEO and founder of Unmind, which is one of the largest, um, if not the largest, I think, workplace mental health um, platform. And um, yeah, he said this. He said that basically the single largest cause of absenteeism or presenteeism 
um, is mental health issues, you know? So actually just beyond the personal experience of having to get repeat consultations or the health risk of getting it wrong or the healthcare costs, there's these huge kind of like secondary or tertiary costs to the economy of, of, exactly. of mental health, which means there's a huge benefit if we, if we can solve it or at least improve it. Exactly. So it is also, yeah, one of the United Nations sustainability goals is to reduce deaths from mental illness um, and, you know, everything around that. Okay. And so you've worked in the UK, you've worked in the US and you've worked in Israel. So what kind of, um, what are the kind of differences in, in, the, in those, uh, let's speak about health tech specifically, but what are the differences to health tech or, or, or approaches to health tech across those different countries? And like, you know, what are the pros and cons of, of, of those if you want to kind of, I don't know, share? It's a little hard for me to say much about the UK because I was really just sitting in my uh, quad of, of UCL okay. getting away okay. um, and was very dis. And uh, I mean, the only thing that I can say there is that at the time, it seemed that industry was a, a, a bad word. Okay. So uh, the idea of going into industry was considering, you know, fall, falling off. Okay. Uh, it's like crossing the picket line. Exactly. Meanwhile, as soon as I got to the US, every uh every um, pr- pr- um principal investigator every professor worth their salt was trying to start a startup or you know <laughs> advise a startup in the background right. um and the universities were like so geared up i mean i've i've also been unfortunate <laughs> i'm getting older so it's been through time so obviously time has also changed those institutions sure. so i went from england which was the most behind in terms of that um kind of uh trend, um commercialization slant mentality yeah. uh america was more um focused on that and then israel just knocks it out of the park like i it's not even that they they're all trying they're all succeeding every pi except uh has has a few startups okay. um and 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 it's so easy to get amazing phds uh out of the top universities here because everybody wants to be involved in the biotech okay. uh, health tech space and there are so many amazing uh, healthcare companies in the in Israel. So, I've it's been a in, increasing energy, and I think just a question that really has uh, blown my mind is that you know when I was in England, you you'd meet people, and it was rare that anybody was in in the working in health tech or working in the healthcare space, mm. except if they were doctors or nurses, etc. Um, and then I went to America, in, into New York, and you'd have more more people who touched that space or had a family member or were working in that space. And then you go to Israel and like 30% of the people that you meet are working in healthcare, biotech, medical devices cool. or something like that. So it's a really great space to be in here. That must be like super exciting to go to work and to like be in that kind of like bubble or environment, right? Where like everyone's doing something really cool. Everyone's pushing the envelope, you know? Yeah, it's- really really motivating it's really exciting place to be and the weather's pretty good exactly it's i'm we're (laughs) sitting here smiling because of the sun that it's like hard to remember why we do what we do but we we do manage to remember okay good well look what is next for genetica plus talk to us about what what's coming up next for the 12 next 12 18 months so we've um completed some of our validation studies in our first clinical setting uh using a retrospective clinical trial approach on some uh, wonderful 
uh, patient samples and, and validated some of these amazing biomarkers to predict which drug the patient should be taking. Okay. Um, so now we need to bring that forward. So we're starting two new clinical partnerships, one in Israel and one in the United States to expand our, our clinical data, increase our publications. We have okay. already a publication around our technology. And then ultimately we want to be entering the market within 24 months. Okay. Um, and so we need to be ready to scale because there are unfortunately too many people suffering from major depression and we need to be able to serve at least, uh, at least a chunk of that population. Um, okay. So we're gearing up to increase lab size, increased um, capacity and all of those things so that when we do enter the market, we can serve our, serve our patients. Okay. And will your development, this might, I don't know, I don't know whether this is the right way to think about it, but you know, you've got the 70 something drugs that you're running through then you, and you've got some kind of set of biomarkers. Is it that your development, will it be like biomarker by biomarker or is it, you know, is it slightly different to that sort of, sort of thing? Do you see what I mean? Is it going to be like, you you can, you, for, you'll do it sort of, um, you know, disease by disease, so to speak within the field of depression or how, how is that going to happen? Do you think? So, um, there are the three elements of the platform. So if we just focus on the brain in a dish element, we already have, an, uh, I think, 32 different drugs that our platform currently encompasses due to all three elements of the platform. But from the neurobiology, we've only worked with about six of the 70 different medications. Okay. So the biomarkers kind of remain consistent, so we'll keep improving their accuracy, yeah. um, but we'll be expanding out to increase more, add more and more drugs to that element of the platform. And then it's an important opportunity to say that after that, we'll be expanding out to new indications. So ADHD, bipolar and schizophrenia urgently need to have the same issue, multiple medications and brain, brains at the core of the matter. Um, and so we'll be expanding out to other disease indications shortly after that market entry with our first indication. Okay, that's fantastic. And um, by the sounds of it, it sounds like you're focusing on America and well, the United States and Israel to begin with. Is that the, is that the plan? How did... How did you guess? I mean, uh, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very intuitive. Um, ultimately, um, it's we while we are creating a tool that we want to be able to help um, everyone. It they, the U.S. market does have already a, a good route to market. It already has uh, the FDA. It's not FDA regulated, so it's got a, a good market entry route, and okay. they already are. Um, reimbursing, which is an important part for a health tech company, they're yeah. already reimbursing for technologies like ours in the mental health space, which isn't okay. actually happening anywhere else in the world. Yeah, that's really uh, Although Israel is as well. well, well yeah. uh, <laughs> um, and so, so that means we'll start with those markets where we know we can kind of sell our test um, yeah. and then we'll be able to expand to, to Europe and markets, which, um, you know, once they see it happening on the global level, it'll be easier to win uh reinvestment from the kind of you know, nhs and similar organizations across europe and do you have the vision whereby if someone wanted to that they could do this directly with you or would it always have to go via a you know clinician in some way shape or form so they can do it direct they, they we do have a vision where they can do it directly through us a physician will always have to be the, we'll always have to prescribe the medication and um, though they could use our physicians if we do set up our own telemedicine platform they'll be able to you know go through our platform and use our uh, telemedicine physicians to make that prescription for them wow that sounds that sounds fantastic and um 
well, you know, how I, I always ask this question. So, you know, as you, when you started the company, you know, three, four years ago, whenever it was, how, how close is it now to what you originally set out to do? And, and, and what are the differences if there have been any? Um, I know that all early stage startups are meant to be super agile and keep pivoting and da da da. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you're supposed to, you're, I don't think you're supposed to keep pivoting. I think that's like <laughs> what you're allowed to do if something isn't oh, working yeah. out. Uh, I am quite proud to say that this is the vision. I mean, we've, we've like, you know, adjusted our go to market. We've, we've learned more about the kind of um, business model in terms of reimbursement, et cetera. Um, but really the, the vision of how we're going to execute the technology, how we're going to test it, how we're going to expand it. Uh, we've stayed quite on track for, for our original vision. Great. That's awesome. And you said in the US that they're already reimbursing this type of this type of thing for mental health. Mm-hmm. That's really exactly. Advanced. Isn't that really, really quite. That's quite. It, that's quite it's advanced. quite amazing. It is quite exceptional to have uh, achieved that reimbursement. So there, there is this other tool on the market which just has the genetics element. Okay. It really is. Um, it's, it allows you to tell whether a patient will uh, be able to process the drug or not. So again, right. still not telling you what it's doing in the brain, but it tells you whether it will process this, the drug. And I mentioned we have genetics, patient history, and neurobiology. So that's the genetics description. Um, I think it's worth mentioning it because they, they are on the market. So for the next two years, until anyone that your listeners are uh, looking to help, they can recommend this genetics platform. I do think it's better than nothing. Hmm. Um, but really, it doesn't work that well because this, it's just based on liver processing genes. Yeah, this so is thanks to... Yeah, so thanks to their precedent, um, they were the ones who kind of won the the battle for reimbursement, uh, which has set a great stage for Genetica Plus to bring a better technology. Um, And also we managed to get the advisor who brought their company to reimbursement as an advisor of our company. So congratulations to help us us, uh, succeed in that area. Good. And that's the other thing I was going to wanted to touch on is that there is there are there is another model out there, but it's really focused on how well the liver processes the the drug, mm-hmm. as opposed to its impact on the brain. Like you said, it's more around how does your body cope with the medication, like systemically. Exactly. In effect. Exactly. Yeah, um, and they they are available. I don't recall in America. There's a a couple of different brands. I don't recall what's available in the but, UK right now. And what, what what's the benefit of doing that versus not doing it? So to speak, I mean, like versus so if, if you if you're a hyper metabolizer, if you metabolize a drug really, really fast, it means you'll need to take a higher dose in order to receive the impact from that drug. OK, so that, that will allow a physician to say, OK, well, actually, this guy's going to ha- it, it allows them to skip a couple of the 70 medications okay. only because their drug would have to be at some you know, Crazy unpleasantly dose. high dose in order to have any effect on the brain. Okay, so it's sort of like the, the the best available right now, which is kind of it rules out some some mis some, some um, misprescriptions, whatever you say. Like, exactly, you know, that's nicely put. Yeah, so it, it does something, but it doesn't really um, have an impact as the neurobiological piece that the genetic yeah. plus is bringing, in addition to all the other things. Correct. Okay. Wow. I mean, that is a, certainly an extremely exciting space. What do you you know in terms of the space itself? aside from you where do you see the space being in two years time for example this this whole area what's the kind of grand you know future vision do you think um grand future vision unfortunately i might have to go five to ten years okay well um, i mean go however long you want i don't mind 
I think it's it's a slow change in in, med, in the medical field, um, but yeah, it's that world where um, we're using biomarkers, we're using real like like Genetica Plus's biomarkers and other companies' biomarkers to decide what type of depression you have, and that depression isn't just described by what you look like, but what's actually going on in your body and mm-hmm. your brain. Um, and then we use those biomarkers to guide our treatment, um, and that that treatment is better uh, as a result. The treatment outcomes are better, but I also believe that um, our other revenue stream, which we didn't really speak about, is precision medicine, new drugs. Yeah. And because we have this amazing platform, we can also help develop new drugs for specific subgroups of patients or help rescue those drugs that failed at the final hurdle and take them using drug repurposing into the right patient population and allowing that patient population forevermore to get access to that treatment. So I see a vision where there are many more successful drugs in the mental health space as a result of developing precision medicine-based medicines instead of these one-size-fits-all medicines. Right, because without a system like Genetica Plus, it's going to be extremely hard to understand why those drugs failed clinical trials, I guess. And Yep, and who they would work on. And, and who they would work on, right? So you've got, you know, however many billions of dollars worth of investment basically mothballed and mm-hmm. no one really knows why. And also on the flip side, by taking specific cohorts of people with specific disease characteristics, you guys can, well, using your platform, platform similar to yours, you can actually figure out what drug might work best and then that gets fed back into the drug discovery. Absolutely. Right. I think so it's a goal. Sorry, go on. A rosy future. A rosy future. Well, look, on that note, I think it's probably <laughs> worth, worth ending because I think that's a nice way to end. But Talia, thank you very much for coming on the show. Talia, C- Talia um, Cohen-Solal, CEO and founder of Genetica Plus. Thank you very much for coming on and thank you everyone for listening. Guess you moved on really easily You found a new girl and it only took a couple weeks Remember when you said that you wanted to give me the world And good for you, I guess that you've been working on yourself I guess the therapist I found for you should really help Now you could be a better man for your brand new girl Getting everything you want You bought a new car and your career's really taking off It's like we never even happened, baby What the fuck is up with that? And good for you, it's like you never even met me Remember when you swore to God I was the only person who ever got you Well, screw that, screw you You will never have to hurt the way you know that I do